After South Carolina's Week 1 debacle against North Carolina, Gamecock fans are now worried about Shane Beamer having a potential down year in his third season, something that's not as rare as you might think in college football. You are Locked On Gamecocks, your daily podcast on the South Carolina Gamecocks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Gamecock Nation, and welcome back to the Locked On Gamecocks Podcast. I'm Andrew Lyon, the host of this podcast, and you can find my written work over on Gamecocks Digest on SI.com. Thank y'all so much for making the Locked On Gamecocks podcast your first listener watch for your team every day. We are free and available both on YouTube and wherever you get your audio podcasts daily. Today's show is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE for $20 off your first purchase. There are a lot of Gamecock fans out there that have been resetting their expectations for what South Carolina's football team could do in 2023 after what all happened in Week 1 against North Carolina, a game that obviously went sideways relatively quickly for the Gamecocks. And it's led a lot of people now to believe that this season could end up being a down year for Shane Beamer and the Gamecocks, that they might take a step back compared to what they have done over his first two seasons. And even though 2023 might go down that route, based on college football's recent history with some other coaches, I wouldn't be selling Shane Beamer's stock long term. Again, I know that there are a lot of you that are not happy with how the team performed this past Saturday. Trust me. Everyone in that building is very upset and frustrated with how the team went out there and played in Bank of America Stadium in the Dukes-Mayo Kickoff Classic. And I know that some of you are upset because some of the same issues that we have seen over the past couple years matriculated once again on the field in the Gamecocks season opener, such as a lack of consistent rush defense, a lack of a consistent ground game on the offensive side of the ball. I know that there are multiple reasons why you are now potentially even questioning whether or not Shane could be the guy long term. And I think we are a long ways away from having that kind of conversation. And if you look at the recent history of college football, if you look at other coaches that had a start similar to Shane Beamer at their respective stops, I think that you'll feel a little bit better about the possibility of there being a potential down year in 2023. Here is a list of coaches who had a great first two seasons and then took a step back in their third season at their respective school. Steve Spurrier is the first example that comes to mind here. He went 7-5 and and 8-5 and in his first two seasons in Columbia. And then in 2007, his third season, the Gamecocks went 6-6 six and six and missed a bowl game entirely. Dabo Sweeney at Clemson, he's another good example for this conversation. He went 4-3 and three as an interim head coach in 2008. Then in 2009, Clemson went 9-5. and five. In 2010, Dabo's third season technically holding the head coaching title in some fashion in Clemson, the Tigers went 6-7. and seven. 
had a losing record, went to the Manike Car Care Bowl. I'm pretty sure that bowl game doesn't even exist anymore. There's also some more recent examples from the past couple of years. Dave Aranda at Baylor. He went 2-7 and seven in his first season in Waco. And then he went 12-2 and two in his second season. But last fall, he went 6-7. and seven. So he took a pretty big step back from that 12-2 and two campaign that he had in 2021. Sean Clark at App State. He's another good example. He went 9-3 and three and 10-4 and four in his first two seasons and then went 6-6 six and six in 2022. Mac Brown, North Carolina, the team that just beat the Gamecocks. They also did not see linear progression over his first four or five years here. Mac Brown went 7-6 and six and 8-5 and in his first two seasons in Chapel Hill. And then they went 6-7 in 2021. Sam Pittman at Arkansas is another example. Pittman went 3-7 and seven and 9-4 and four in his first two seasons in Fayetteville. And then this past fall in 2022, the Razorbacks went 7-6. and six. They went 6-6 six and six in the regular season. So my overall point with bringing up all of those coaches is that even in recent history, with the transfer portal now being available, with NIL now being available to these football programs, a lot of these coaches have a down year at some point in time at the beginning of their tenure. And based on this slate of coaches that I picked out for today's show, usually it is year three. So the fact that Shane Beamer, the Gamecocks, might take a step back is first of all not very far-fetched based on the other examples that we have and that we've discussed. And secondly, it's not far-fetched based off of some of the guys that the Gamecocks lost from their 2022 squad. I said, or at least hinted at, for the majority of this offseason that I thought that this team was probably a 6-6 six and six team. I did, of course, end up predicting they would go 7-5 and five the week before this season began. But point being, I did feel like that in some fashion, they would take at least a minor step back. So, I don't think that it should be all too shocking that, you know, this team might not win 9 games. This team most certainly is probably not going to win 10 games in 2023. And that is okay. And here's another aspect of this conversation that I want to address real quick. I know that some people look at a guy like Deion Sanders at Colorado. And you sit there and you tell me, well, Deion Sanders took over a 1-11 football program, completely revamped the roster, went all in on the transfer portal, brought in guys from all over the place, and in week one, went to TCU, the national runner-ups from the 2022 season, went to their house, and beat them on their own field in week one. And because that happened, all of you are thinking, well, this doesn't excuse the idea that we should have to be patient about Shane Beamer and his progress here in Columbia when he's going into year three. He's not just getting started at South Carolina. Not everybody is Deion Sanders. Not everybody has the name cachet that Deion Sanders has. Not everybody has the connections that Deion Sanders has. Shane Beamer's not Deion Sanders. But at the same time, Deion Sanders is not Shane Beamer. 
Shane Beamer has a much different idea of how he wants to build up this program. That does not mean that he is without flaws. That does not mean that he hasn't made some mistakes along the way in his first couple years here at South Carolina. But the bottom line takeaway point here that I want you all to have is Shane Beamer, based on all these other coaches that we discussed, he's going to have a down year more than likely in 2023. But that's okay. You look at some of the coaches that I talk about. Dabo Sweeney, Steve Spurrier, Mac Brown. All three of those coaches won national championships or have won national championships at some point in their career. Dave Aranda has won a Sugar Bowl. Sam Pittman, he basically took Arkansas out of the ashes, helped them rise from the ashes of the Chad Morse era. All these guys have had considerable success, or at least went on to have considerable success at their stops. So, you should not throw in the towel on Shane Beamer. Even if he does have a bit of a down year this fall here at South Carolina. Now, another coach that deserves some discussion is Dow Loggins. A coach that also, for some reason, has caught some backlash from some fans. Which I guess should not be all that surprising. But with how last Saturday's game went, and with how he conducted himself at his Wednesday press conference... I'm beginning to think more and more so that Dow Lawkins is the man for the offensive coordinator position here at South Carolina. And I'm going to dive into why I think this way in just a couple moments right here on Locked On Gamecocks. Today's show is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. Now, as a small business owner, you always want to have access to the most qualified candidates that can fill in positions in your small business, whether you are a gym owner, whether you own a landscaping company, or maybe you own a consultation firm. If you find yourself in a position where you're struggling to hire or find the right people, then you need to check out LinkedIn Jobs today. Just add your job and the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring and utilize tools like screening questions, to filter through the candidates. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus their leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free today at linkedin.com slash college. That's linkedin.com slash college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. Welcome back to this Thursday edition of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast, where we cover your team every single day. And speaking of every single day, thank you to each and every one of you every day for making the Locked On Gamecocks podcast your daily choice for South Carolina Gamecock sports coverage. With what Dow Loggins was able to do with the offense in week one, and also how he conducted himself at his weekly Wednesday press conference, I think that he could be the offensive coordinator that finally makes South Carolina's offense respectable once again in the SEC and in all of college football. Let's start off, first of all, with Dow Loggins' Wednesday press conference because there were a couple different portions of his press conference that really stood out to me. Here's a clip and soundbite of Dow Loggins' talking about accountability, holding everybody accountable for last Saturday night's performance, especially 
himself. With the understanding that everybody can do a little bit more, were, were the, was there anybody on the offensive line who graded out individually that that you were pleased with? You know what? Like, here's what I was pleased with, and it's a it's a tough question. Um, but you know what? We cause these tough questions because we didn't perform the way we wanted to and need to. Um, you win and lose as an offensive line playing through five, like through one set of eyes, five guys playing through one set of guys. So like. You collectively, I could sit here and praise individual guys, and there were some guys that I will give them credit. They stayed in the fight and they played hard. When you watch Rashawn and Nick G, like they're cleaning out the pocket at the end of the game. They stayed in the fight. Like they never lost the their belief or their will to win. They didn't. They played hard. Um, that's what they're expected to do, but that's what they did. Um, but when you play like that way, and it's not just the offensive line, like it's the coaching staff, it's the offensive line, it's running backs, it's quarterbacks, it's wide receivers, it's tight ends, like all of that contributes into a sack. All of that contributes into a negative run or a non-efficient run. So um, we win and lose as a group. I would say we all failed because that's the way it is. Like that's – if you if someone played in the game, we didn't do our jobs. We didn't coach well enough. We didn't play well enough. And we need a great deal of urgency to fix that now. Um, this is the biggest game of the season for us because it's the next one, and we have a lot to we have a lot to play for. Um, we need to clean some stuff out. We need to get this nasty taste out of our mouth as, as fast as possible. Um, and that's why practice this week tomorrow is really really important because we just got the practice, so we need to clean this tape up and get going towards next week. We need to help our not just our offensive line, but our running backs, our tight ends, our quarterbacks as a coaching staff, and we got to clean some stuff up and help them these guys be successful. So all of them, like, I'm not blaming anyone. I'm blaming myself. Uh, if you want to blame someone, you put it on me. Like, it's my job to make sure these guys play well. Um, but as a group, as, an, as a unit, we didn't play well enough. I love how accountable Dow Lockins was with that answer, discussing what all happened this past Saturday. I love the fact that, you know, as easy as it would be for him to single out the offensive line and what all they did, and he mainly talked about them a good amount before they got to that question during his press conference. He did also make it clear that, you know, hey, it's all 11 guys on the football field. Like, everybody has their assignment. Everyone has their own job to do. And he also took responsibility on his own end. He didn't put it all on the players. He didn't get all defensive about, you know, the question being asked. In a way, Dow Loggins really showed a great sense of professionalism. He really comes off here as a guy that has coached for a long time at the NFL level because guys at the NFL, you know, they're used to criticism like this. Reporters at the NFL level, they're not as gun-shy maybe to ask certain coaches like, you know, about their performance, especially, you know, whether it's good or if it's bad. And that's not to say that, you know, us college reporters are not willing to ask the tough questions, but obviously, you know, when you talk about the NFL, you're talking about, you know, grown men all over the place at every single aspect of an organization, the players, coaches, and people in the front office. And he also had a great sense of urgency with this answer. The fact that he says that, you know, we need to get things fixed right now, you know, and again, he admitted that the offensive line, it's going to be a work in progress. You know, it's going to be something that's not going to necessarily get better immediately, but they're going to do everything that they can, everything in their power to try to find the solution to that. And comparing Dow Loggins to his predecessor, Marcus Satterfield, and I'm not trying to just completely poke at Satterfield as much as I can every chance I get, but the thing is, with Marcus Satterfield, he always came across as a coach that would just kind of simply agree 
with the idea or a question from a reporter regarding maybe a bad performance, you know, kind of just go along with the question saying like, you know, yeah, we do need to do better. And I don't want to say not take accountability, but he was as upfront about it as Dow Loggins was in this clip and soundbite right here. Now, here's another part of Dow Loggins' press conference that I want to play for all of you real quick. Another clip and soundbite where he discusses how he tried to change play calls. He tried to change up his strategy in order to help out both Spencer Rattler and South Carolina's rushing attack when they needed it against North Carolina. Dow just kind of sticking with the run game. What can you do from a coaching standpoint, whether it's run replacements, different schemes, different personnel in to to kind of get that thing more efficient yeah well i'm gonna tell you right now like there is there are going games when you say hey a three-step or empty is is a run play or a screen is a run play like that's the way i look at it um and that in that game i don't know how many hitches we threw or how many quick game i think yeah, i do know i know exactly how many we threw so you know all of a sudden you put another seven or eight plays on there that are are not and you're averaging 9.1 a, a template that's a pass so then as the, as the game went on, it, those three steps became and empties became run plays. Now, can, we, can you live that way? No. But you play each game where you got to do whatever you got to do to find the formula to help you to try to win, and that was the formula in that one. As coaches, you go back and you look at everything. You look at why did it, we not, why are we not successful? Was it one-on-ones? Were our combinations – did we lose one-on-one battles? Were our combinations not good? Did we run into the uh, right looks? Did we run the play that we wanted to the shade? Is it better to the three? Are we accounting for down safeties, uh, digging out safeties by the wide receivers? Are we running enough play-action pass to make sure that we're holding the backside in? Are we, are we moving the pocket enough? Like, you look at everything. And that's, what, that's the process of this week is to make sure that we're doing everything we can to make sure our players are put in a situation to be successful. A lot of Gamecock fans are going to view this answer as a massive breath of fresh air. Because when Marcus Satterfield talked to the media during his two years in Columbia, he always seemed to have issues sort of explaining his thought process when he was talking to the media and giving answers regarding, you know, certain decisions that were being made in-game. And speaking of in-game decisions... Marcus Satterfield always seemed to be a guy that, you know, if a certain play worked once, he went back to the well with that play over and over again. And there were also certain plays during some games where, you know, it wasn't working all that well, and yet you saw Satterfield continue to try and run that exact play. And it just never really seemed like that Marcus Satterfield had a great feel for the game. It seemed like his game sense wasn't all that high for being an offensive coordinator at this level. I don't get that feeling with Dow Loggins. Dow Loggins comes off as a guy that he understands like every little minute aspect of offensive football when he gives an answer like that. We don't have to understand exactly what he means by, you know, this, that, or the other with the tight end, the wide receiver, and whatnot, but that doesn't matter. What matters is that he understands it, and as the players have said all offseason, he's a guy that is able to explain it to these guys. And he's also open to feedback in terms of plays that they want him to run in this offense. And you take all this back to the North Carolina game. I know that fans are not happy because South Carolina, they only scored, you know, 17 points, 14 points in that contest. And it was a very ugly path to those points because South Carolina, they had no run game. Negative two rushing yards on 31 carries. Nobody ever wants to see that stat line in your box score at the end of a game. They gave nine sacks. And on multiple occasions, one or more receivers were wide open down the field. And yet despite that, South Carolina was never out of this game because 
of their offense entirely. Spencer Rattler still threw for 350-plus passing yards. Now, I'm not saying all the credit has to go to Dow Loggins for that, because clearly, Spencer Rattler deserves a ton of credit in his own right, but Loggins also deserves props for setting up Spencer in as good of a situation as he possibly could, considering all of the circumstances that were at play in Charlotte. So you take that performance with what all he said in this Wednesday press conference, I know it's just one game. I know that fans are going to want to see an improved product as the year progresses. But I truly feel like if Dow Loggins is given time, if this offense can just get some more talent up front and then also offset some of the losses they're going to have eventually at positions like the wide receiver position, Dow Loggins can be the man that helps to rectify a lot of the issues that this unit has had Basically for the last 8 or 9 years, since 2015, the first year where things really fell off a cliff on that side of the ball. So I know that in week 1, especially because of the low total of points that they scored, it's easy for people to sit there and point the finger at Dow Loggins and say, he did not do a good enough job, he's just another Marcus Satterfield. I'm going to tell you right now, I don't feel that way with him. I think this is a guy that knows what he's doing. I think this is a guy that truly cares. And I think this is someone that understands how to operate in his position. A feeling that we did not always have with the last guy that was in that role. So give Dow Loggins some time. And I think that he will be able to find a way to really make this offense go at a very efficient level for South Carolina's football program. Now, this upcoming weekend against Furman, South Carolina, they're in a touch of a sticky situation at wide receiver because some of their starters are a little bit banged up coming into this game. And they've got to find a way to get some of these guys more involved in the passing game. And I'm going to discuss one way in which Dow Loggins could possibly help some of these backups get more involved against the Furman Paladins. We'll touch on that in just a moment right here on Locked on Gamecocks. Today's show is brought to you by Game Time. Now, South Carolina's football team began their season this past Saturday night in Bank of America Stadium. And guess what? The team that typically plays in that stadium, the Carolina Panthers, they're beginning their football season this coming Sunday afternoon against the Atlanta Falcons. And you might be a Panthers fan that's contemplating whether or not you want to try to beat the Atlanta traffic and go to that game on Sunday. And if you end up making the last-minute decision to do so... Game Time is going to have you covered because they got deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. They'll also give you the lowest price guarantee if you find a lower price in that same section and row. They'll credit you 110% of the difference. Snap the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE for $20 off your first purchase. Terms will apply. Again, create an account and redeem code Locked On College for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Welcome back to this Thursday edition of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast, where we cover your South Carolina Gamecocks every single day in just 30 minutes. Dow Loggins showed a lot of creativity, in my opinion, in terms of how he varied up his sets and formations against North Carolina this past Saturday. 
And I think that he could use that creativity to try and help some of these backup wide receivers make a bigger impact in this coming Saturday night matchup against the Furman Paladins. Dow Loggett's use specifically of staggered stack sets in the shotgun formation could help some of these backups at wide receiver find some more success. Now, here's what I'm talking about. In a staggered stack set formation in the shotgun, you have two wide receivers that are practically stacked up right on top of each other. You got one that's crept up closer to the line, and you've got a wide receiver basically right behind him just by a few feet. Now, a staggered stack set is where you've got a wide receiver lined up on the line of scrimmage, and he still has a wide receiver basically right behind him, but the wideout is lined up shaded to one side of the wide receiver that is in front of him, so not directly behind him. Now, you might be sitting here wondering, Andrew, what the heck does all that mean, and why could this help some of these backup wide receivers? Here's how this could help some of the backup wideouts. When you run a stack set in the shotgun formation, the wide receiver that is lined up farther behind the line of scrimmage, they have a distinct advantage in that set. And that advantage is this. They're not having to deal with contact from a defensive back right off of the snap. Sometimes when you're lined up right on the line of scrimmage, defensive backs will creep up right up on you. They'll line up in man press coverage. And you'll have to deal with a ton of contact once the ball is snapped. For a guy like Nicholas Harper, that's not necessarily ideal. Because Nicholas Harper, he's still trying to transition to his new role being a full-time wide receiver. He's still trying to learn the nuances of the position. And let's just say, trying to learn how to break away from a cornerback in man or man press coverage off of the line of scrimmage... That's not necessarily wide receiver 101 type stuff. That's a little bit more advanced. And so, while Nicholas Herbert tries to really hone in on his skills in that area in practice, in the middle of a football game in the early portion of this season, Dow Loggins is going to have to try to figure out ways to help him and also some of these other guys like an Elijah Codwell and also an Omega Blake, who, yes, has been the program for several years now, but struggled mightily this past Saturday to really make an impact against North Carolina. Running these stack sets is a great way to get these guys involved because, again, they don't have to deal with a defensive back making contact with them right as they're running off of the line of scrimmage. For defensive backs, they hate having to play against stack sets and also bunch sets because... When you've got multiple players concentrated in one particular area on the football field, you can't necessarily run a specific coverage. You cannot run man coverage because you can't have two defensive backs basically lined up right on top of each other on top of that stack or right on a bunch set. But if you also run zone coverage, the tough part about running that kind of coverage is you open the door for the wide receiver that's lined up furthest behind the line of scrimmage to basically just run some sort of underneath route and therefore give up guaranteed yardage. In essence, you can't necessarily stop offensive plays that are run out of those sets as a defensive player. All you can do is basically try to avoid giving up an explosive play out of those sets. 
Now, for South Carolina, they're not going to be like a Tennessee that likes to run those kind of sets a lot, especially those stack sets far outside the numbers, and have a bunch of different route combinations that open the door for a bunch of shot plays. That would be maybe great for a Nicholas Harper, but for an Omega Blake and an Elijah Caldwell, you don't necessarily need that right now for each of those guys. But running these stack sets, it is going to basically give them a free release off of the line of scrimmage. And that is one less thing, therefore, that these backups have to worry about when they go out there on the field. Obviously, you cannot run that every single time for each and every one of those guys. Numbers-wise, that just wouldn't work out very well for you. But, after game one, one thing is blatantly clear and obvious with this wide receiver core. The Gamecocks offensive coaching staff has got to find a way to get more of these true wide receivers more involved. Basically, you cannot have your second-string quarterback in Luke Doty going out there on the football field and be your second-leading receiver in a football game. Again, great for Luke Doty. He is definitely a guy that is willing to do anything for this program, and Gamecock Nation will forever love him because of how much he cares about putting the team first before himself. You have to commend that. It is also fair, however, to say that it's not necessarily ideal for your backup quarterback to ever be your second leading wide receiver. Quite frankly, some of these other guys have just got to step up or they got to grow up fast. That's the best way really to put it. Juice Wells right now, he's not 100%. It is very clear that he's got some sort of nagging injury in his lower body that he is dealing with right now. And he's going to play again on Saturday against Farben. I would still suspect he's not going to be 100%. He might not even be able to go throughout the entire football game, especially if it rains like it's forecasted to do so right now. Amari Brown suffered a rib injury this past weekend against North Carolina was out for the rest of the game that night because of it. Now, he's also practiced, but you don't know if that's also leaving some lingering effects with him. Xavier Leggett, he can't do it all by himself. He's got to have some help. So some of these backup wide receivers, again, they got to go out there and make plays. But this is a way for Dow Loggins to try to scheme those guys open and allow them, therefore, to use their athleticism and their pure ball skills as a wide receiver to just go out there and help take some of the pressure off of Xavier Leggett and also off of Spencer Rattler so that Rattler does not feel like that he has to basically just hone in and target Xavier Leggett for an entire football game. It's going to be very important to establish some sort of rhythm, some sort of rapport between Spencer Rattler and these backup wide receivers on Saturday against Furman because you know who's up next? Georgia. You know who's up after them? Mississippi State. You know who's up after them? Tennessee. You don't have time to get acclimated, quite frankly. They've got to get these guys acclimated and more involved right now. Running stacks sets out of the shotgun formation that allows a free release for those wide receivers that are lined up farther off of the line of scrimmage. That's the best way to get these backup wide receivers involved in this game against Furman on Saturday night. With that being said, that's going to do it for today's edition of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast. I hope y'all thoroughly enjoyed today's show, as always. What are y'all's thoughts on Shane Beamer potentially having a down year in year three? Are you going to panic if that takes place? Or, with the data that we went over on today's show, 
do you think that it's fair to still have patience with Shane Beamer for the next several years? What do you think about Dow Loggins and his potential long-term as South Carolina's offensive coordinator? What were your thoughts on his comments that he made at his Wednesday presser? And lastly, how do you think that Dow Loggins can help some of these backup wide receivers get more involved on Saturday? Let me know your thoughts down below in the comments section if you watch today's show on YouTube or shoot me a direct message on Twitter at A-Line underscore SC if you listen to today's show on an audio podcast app. Once again, thank y'all so much for tuning in as always. Have a great rest of your Thursday and I'll be sure to catch y'all on the next show of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast.